So I want to look at three questions again today in helping us to get started in this idea of, of how important it is to think the right thought. So, so when we ask the question, how are you doing, on a scale of 1 to 10, 1 being, Ugh, and 10 being, woohoo, uh, I, I want you just to think about that for just a second. Where are you at? How, how are you doing? And, and in light of that, what are you feeling? What would be some of the words that you would put around how you're doing? Uh, happy, sad, whatever it might be. Uh, and then finally, what are you thinking? What are you thinking? This is what I would call a belief system braid, because these three are all woven together in how we live our lives and how we think, and they're all tied into our emotions. And it's exciting to be in this series of All the Feels, a series that is helping us to kind of focus a little bit on our mental health. And hopefully, again, we can move from mental health to mental hope to mental help, and then on to mental healing. That would be, that would be the plan, and hopefully we can follow that. As we said before, Paul, I don't know if he had issues or mental issues, but he definitely has some mental answers. And as we read through the Bible, we find that his pen has a lot of ink about our thoughts. And here's this scripture verse. It's kind of, a, I guess, a foundation for this series. It says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. He goes on to say, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And, and kind of the big idea here is that offering our bodies, offering our body includes overhauling our minds, overhauling our minds. And so what I want to do is I, I just want to get to work. Let, let's get to work on some of the things that will help us to do that, to, to get some mental um, help and to get some mental healing and, and to move on in our lives that God has planned for us and purpose for us and to really become the people that he wants us to be and live the lives that he intends for us to live. A couple of weeks ago after the service here at Church Experience, Mindy, my wife and I, we went to Sun and Fun Aerospace Expo. And it was a blast. We had so much fun. I remember driving over to Lakeland, we pulled into the gate, and then we started across this huge, huge parking lot, basically a giant open field. And we drove and 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 drove. And we got to a part where the parking guy was, and he, he pointed us that way. And so we turned right, and we drove and drove and drove and drove and drove some more. And when we got down, we finally got to our parking place. We get out of the car, and Mindy and I both, as we're walking up, we're like, wow, this is a really, really big place, a really, really big parking lot. We're out in the middle of nowhere. We've got to remember where we parked our car. So we get to the end of our row, and we notice that there's a cone, and there's a little sign on it that just says, row 17. I thought, perfect, perfect. We'll, we'll be able to find it when we come out. We're on row 17, and we're down about that far. We'll, it, it, it'll be fine. So we go into the expo, we have a great time, we enjoy watching some airplanes and the air show and eating some awesome carnival food, some delicious stuff. We just had a great day, and the day was coming to a close, and it was time for us to head out. So we are walking out of the gate into the parking lot, this giant parking lot, thousands of cars, literally, and we hear, we, <laughs> we hear some, some sounds, and, and some of the sound is coming that way, and some of it is coming from that way, some of, us come from, some of us coming from that way, and we realize that they are, their car alarms, their car alarms, and, 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 and then we begin to figure it out, ah, these people weren't as smart as us, they didn't remember what row they were in, and they're walking around with their key fob, they're walking around with their key, pushing the panic button, and trying to figure out, <laughs> trying to figure out where they park, so we, we won't have that problem, so we kept walking, we got to row 17, we started heading down to where our car or at least we thought our car was supposed to be, and, and it wasn't there. 
Like, what, what in the world? I know it was row 17, and this is about what, what, what is going on here? <laughs> and so we kept looking, and we went on to the next row, and we thought, well, maybe, maybe, we had, maybe it was row 16. Or they said, no, I'm pretty sure. So we went to the no car. Went, came back the other way, went to the other side. No car. So we ended up doing what <laughs> well, we laughed at other people doing. We pulled out our key, and we're holding it in the air, and we're putting, but nothing. There's, there's, no, there's no alarm going off. And so we, we moved to this side and pushed it. Nope. Moved to that side. Put, went down this way. Put, nope. Finally, finally, we hear in the distance this, this, this beeping sound. And we were able to find our car. <laughs> and obviously, obviously, we made it back. I've laughed at that story because it's, it's, it's kind of embarrassing, but, it, but it, really, it really serves as a great illustration. That, that, alarm, that alarm helped us to find something that we really, really needed. Obviously, our vehicle. Right? And when car alarms came out, they were originally designed to deter criminals. Now we just use them as ways to find our vehicles. But in thinking about that, and thinking about alarms, and thinking about this car alarm, and this, this whole idea that it led us where we needed to go. It, it showed us what we needed to find. In our conversation, in this talk, we're going to look at anxiety. And I just want to say right up front, anxiety is an alarm. Everybody say that. Anxiety is an alarm. Now, here's what's interesting about it. It's not to terrify you. It's simply to notify you. It's, it's to give you some information. It's to say, hey, hey, you, you need to pay attention to what's going on. I have something that I, can, that I can help you find. And it's something that all of us need to find, something that will help all of us. And so anxiety is an alarm. And the truth is anxiety is not the problem. It's not the problem. So let me, let me explain a little bit more as we go through this. First of all, I have to apologize because I, I intended, fully intended to, to divide this talk up into anxiety and depression, and really there was just too much on anxiety that I wanted to cover. Maybe at another time we can cover the depression piece, but I think this is the most important piece that we could talk about today, this anxiety issue. But I want to clarify a couple things. First of all, big difference, and these are, these are not the same. Being depressed for a day or two or being kind of in a mood where you're struggling or discouraged is way different than being in depression, way different. And anxiety, moments of anxiety, even days of anxiety are, are much different than an anxiety disorder. And so I, while I know that there is depression and while I know that there are anxiety disorders, for this talk, we are going to talk about the majority of us who do not have a disorder as it relates to anxiety. We simply have anxiety. And again, Anxiety is an alarm. It's trying to get our attention. It's trying to tell us something, and we need to listen. We need to listen to what it's saying. When the anxiety alarm goes off, when the anxiety alarm goes off, it's telling us, <laughs> it's telling us something. We haven't we haven't figured out what it is yet, but it's it's trying to notify us, not terrify us. It's trying to let us know something. So when that happens, when you feel anxiety, okay, don't don't deny it, don't dull it, and don't discredit it. Don't deny it. Say, well, it's not. It's, it's, it's not really anxiety. Yeah, sure it is. Don't dull it. Don't try to use any kind of uh, uh, chemicals or anything like that to kind of numb it. Okay, don't do that. And don't discredit it. It's no big deal. It is a big deal. It's something that we need to be aware of. And again, it's telling us something that we need to know. So the, obviously the question is, what is this alarm telling us? What is this alarm telling us? Well, it, it could be telling us that we need to do some investigation. We need to do some investigation. Uh, a lot of our anxiety, 
<laughs> comes from the people that we're around, the people that we work with, the people that we live with, uh, maybe even the people that we go to church with. But a lot of our anxiety comes from our relationships with people. And, and when I get a phone call at Winning at Home, a lot of times the person on the other end will say, hey, I, we need your help as a couple, as a family. We're struggling. What, what are you struggling with? What's the biggest thing? Communication, communication, communication. Almost always that word is put into that conversation at, at some point. And so then I begin to kind of ask some questions. What do you mean by that? What do you mean by that? And a lot of times it's miscommunication. It's, it's not understanding each other. It's, it's hearing things that really aren't being said. So what I want to do is I want to encourage you that sometimes when anxiety comes up as it relates to your relationship with people, okay, stop, look, and question. Stop, look, and question. And here's, here's a good thing. When you hear something that somebody says, and it makes you nervous, anxious, mad, whatever the case may be, stop right there, stop right there, and ask a question, a clarifying question, investigation by clarification, okay? You can say this. You can use this formula. You said, and then you repeat what you think they said, and then you say what you heard, okay? You said this, but I really heard that, and then you can just simply say, is that right? Or, am I on the right track? And, and that, will give the, that will give the person an opportunity to clarify that. And then if you need a little more, another sentence, if you will, another question that might bring some clarity to this, when you're upset, when you're frustrated, when you're not sure a person's intention behind what they said, simply, <laughs> this might be way too simple, but simply ask them, what's your intention behind that? What, what did you mean by that? Don't accuse them, but, but ask them so that you can get some clarity because that will help you to drop the story. When we are listening to someone, we're communicating with somebody, and we're talking to somebody, the story is being written, okay? And as we, as we move along, as we move along in this conversation, if we don't stop to clarify the story, we may write the wrong story. And so by pausing, when we're anxious, when we're frustrated, when we're, when we're feeling tense, to stop and say, hey, this is what I think you said, what is it that you really said? Then they can go, whoa, 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 I'm, I, I, I did not mean to say that, that's 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 what you heard, but I didn't mean, or they can say, yeah, I did mean to say that, and it was inappropriate, and I'm really sorry, would you forgive me? And that gives us the ability at that point to stop the narrative, to, to literally drop the story. But if we don't do that, the story will be written, and there's a good possibility that if you don't get clarification, you're going to get frustration because you're going to write the wrong story. So just one area that we can listen to that alarm and say, hey, maybe I just need to do a little investigation and find out whether or not this anxiety is really something I should have, or it's just being confused by the communication. It's telling us we need to do some investigation. That's, that's one thing it could be telling us. The, the, the second thing, it could be telling us that we need to do some interrogations, okay, some interrogations. In other words, we may get some anxiety from people and what they say, but another source of our anxiety comes from our, our own thoughts, our own thoughts. And so as you begin to look at those, you may need to interrogate them a little bit and ask them some questions, if you will, to make sure that, again, do you have anxiety for the right reasons or the wrong reasons? Again, just to find out. From the pen of Dr. Paul, we'll call him Dr. Paul again, he says, we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. We, we take captive every thought. So when I'm working with people and they're struggling with some of the things that are going on in their minds, I say, look, here's a piece of paper. I want you to think about what you think about. I want you to think about your thoughts. And I want you to write down in just a short sentence form, what, what is it 
that's going through your head? What are the, what are the thoughts that you have that bring anxiety to you, that, that concern you, that frustrate you, that, that hurt you? What, what are those thoughts? And, and I want you to write them down. Sometimes you are a failure, you are dumb, you aren't enough. I mean, there's a whole list of things that are running through people's heads. And, and I say, make, make sure you identify those things. Craig Rochelle says, you can't defeat what you can't define. So this is an important exercise, but it doesn't stop there. It's not, just, it's not just enough to write them down. Then I tell them that what I want you to do now is I want you to take and write some lines all the way across the page. So it looks like those thoughts, <laughs> those thoughts are in jail. They've been imprisoned, okay? And, and, and I want you to just kind of picture that in your mind. You, yes, you have these thoughts, but they're behind locked bars. And now, now like you would do with any prisoner, you're going to interrogate, you're going to interrogate. And find out what is going on. First question to ask your thoughts, what are you trying to do? In, in, in feeling like a failure, in thinking that you're dumb, in thinking that you're not enough, what, what is that supposed to be doing for me? A good question to start with. Second question is, who sent you? Who sent you? Where did I get this thought from? And, and, a, and a good question to, to even clarify it even more is, whose voice? do I hear when I think this thought? Whose voice? It, it, it could be the enemy's voice. We, we, we know this is a spiritual battle that we're in, and some of the things that we think are things that Satan has said to us in our lives. So sometimes it's the enemy. Uh, sometimes it's our ego. When I say ego, I really mean the good and bad of our lives, uh, the successes and failures of our lives, all, all of our belief systems about, about who we are, what we believe about us. So some of those can come from that. And then some of them are echoes. Some of the voices that we hear are voices from the past or things from the past or activities from the or accidents or trauma from the past. Your present anxiety may be tied to a past hurt or to a past trauma. So December 7th, 2021, I got in my car in the late afternoon and finished up a couple sessions, and I was headed across the Howard Franklin Bridge to go see my four-year-old grandson's Christmas production at his school. Now, I wasn't going because I really felt like it was going to be an excellent presentation with excellent music. I was really going because I, I knew that it was going to be highly entertaining to have a room full of four-year-old kids on a brightly lit stage with microphones in their hands, and it was just going to be exciting just to watch what was going to take place, regardless of what Christmas songs they sang, regardless of what else was going on, it was just going to be fun to watch him. And I wasn't disappointed. I wasn't disappointed. This is Kai. This is our grandson. And look at these other kids. They're all focused, right? They're all, <laughs> but they're all focused on different things, exactly what I pictured when I was, when I was driving over there. But on my way over, uh, I'm on 275 North, and I'm about to get on the Howard Franklin Bridge, and there's an exit at 118th Avenue. And there's four lanes of traffic. There's two lanes on the left side that are through traffic that go right over to Tampa, right onto the bridge. And then there's two lanes over here. One is an exit only, and one is an exit option. In other words, I can either take this exit or I can go straight. So I was in that lane. And I'm driving along, and, and I, see, I see in my peripheral, I'll see a car come up beside me in that exit lane, and I thought, well, he's going to exit off. And then at the last minute, he swerves over in front of me, hits the front of my car, 70 miles an hour, hits the front of my car, shakes back and forth. His car wobbles a little bit. We didn't spin out. Thank the Lord everybody was safe. 
about a mile or two down the road, we had to find a place where there wasn't construction and there was a safe place to pull over. We pulled over. He came back. We exchanged information. The police came, filed a report. Everything was good. No one was hurt. The cars were still drivable, so I drove over and got a chance to see this, <laughs> this wonderful event, spend time with my family. I came home that night, and I put the car in the garage, pieces hanging off of it. It made it home, but it wasn't, it wasn't something I could drive the next day. So I, I have a truck, so the next morning I needed to get back to Tampa, and so I got in that truck, and I started back across the same road that I was on the day before. And I'm driving across, and as I get close to 118th Avenue, my hands start getting sweaty, and my chest starts getting tight, my heart starts racing, I feel beads of sweat on my forehead, and I feel dizzy, and I feel like I'm going to pass out. And so I, 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 I'm thinking to myself, what, what, what is going on here? And, and as, as I get up to the exit, I realize, I realize that I'm, I'm panicking. I realize that anxiety is exploding in my body. I turned the air on as cold as I could, as high as I could, let it blow, and I just kept, I started praying <laughs> I started talking to myself, you're fine. It's okay. You're good. This is, you, you, that was an act. You're fine. There's nothing going on. You're going to be okay. It took me all the way across the Howard Franklin before I could finally calm down. When I got across, I called one of our team members. Her name is Dr. Karita Shawchuk. She's a psychologist and probably, probably the smartest person on our team. And I said, Karita, I just had something happen I've never had happen before. And she said, well, what, what happened? And so I told her about the accident yesterday, and I told her, I said, I'm driving by that same spot, and my body just went crazy. And she said, well, what did you do? I said, well, I, <laughs> I don't know if this was the right thing or not, but I, I, I just kept driving. I kept driving, and I kept telling myself, you're okay. You're okay. You're okay. And I kept praying, and I kept asking the Lord to help me, and there was this pause, and I was like, uh. Did I, was that the right thing to do? And she said, that was the best thing you could possibly do. That's what you have to do. When, when you are safe and, and when it's something that's not going to compromise your life or anything like that, you need to push through the stuff that brings that kind of anxiety. You need to do that. And she said, the more you do that, the more it will go away. The next time I drove by there, it was a little bit less. The next time, a little bit less. The next time, a little bit less. I drove across that bridge today, and I really didn't even think of it. The only time, the only reason, I guess, that I even thought about it today was because I was going to be talking about it today. But it was gone. It was gone. Anxiety is trying to tell us something, and sometimes, sometimes when we do some interrogation on our thoughts, we realize that something that happened yesterday Something that happened in our past can show up again and it can cause anxiety in our future. John Maxwell says, don't let a bad experience become a life experience. Don't let that happen. I, I was not going to allow that accident to keep me from going across that bridge. That bridge represented my connection to my family, my connection to my oldest daughter and to my son-in-law and to my two grandkids that live in Tampa. It wasn't going to stop me. So I, I decided that I wasn't going to allow that to keep me. So you may remember that we talked a little bit about the COVID file and about how it, it got filled up as a result of living through this. Well, I, I just want you to know something. The, the new file that was formed, I had a file of 118th, but there were some things that were put in it that day that I did not want in there. 
And so because I chose, I wasn't going to allow that to keep speaking, keep being part of my thoughts and causing me such angst in my life. I began to take that out one by one until finally there's nothing in there. There's nothing in there. Interrogate. Interrogate. So ask, what are you trying to do? Who sent you? And then finally, finally ask a really important question. Are you true? Are you true? And, and here's, here's what I mean by that. Your feelings are real, but they're not always the truth. We know that, right? So we have to be careful that we just, we, we don't believe that our feelings are always telling the complete truth. But at the same time, we have to look at our thoughts and go, wait a minute, is there some truth here? Is there something I need to know? Is there something I need to learn here? Because what if, what if when you capture your thoughts, you write them down, you put them in jail, you begin to interrogate them, you, you are working too much. You are not sleeping. Uh, you are in a toxic relationship. Then, then you do need to change some things. You do need to do some things different. So some of them are true, which means you need to get, you need to get work on them. It's telling us we need to do some interrogations. And the third thing is we might be in need of rest, exercise, and nutrition. That might be what the alarm is trying to tell us. And so I want to talk about the Trinity, the Trinity, not the Holy Trinity, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. I want to talk about the healthy Trinity. Big difference, but same kind of concept. They belong together. They work together to to help us. I love the story in 1 Kings of Elijah. Elijah had just come from this mountaintop experience where he saw God do some crazy, awesome things. Came from victory, and now he's really, really struggling. Killed hundreds and hundreds of bad guys, so to speak, and now there's two people against him, just two, just two, and he's scared to death. And so the Bible says Elijah was afraid, and he ran for his life. And when he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there. While he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, he came to a broom bush, sat down under it, and prayed that he would just die. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. And then he lay down under the bush, and he fell asleep. And then an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. And he looked around, and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. And he ate and drank, and then he lay down again. The angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, get up and eat for the journey is too much for you. And so he got up, he ate and he drank and strengthened by that food, he traveled 40 days, 40 days. Here, here's what I think is interesting about that is maybe not that you're out of faith. Literally, sometimes when we get to a place where anxiety is taking over, it's not that you're out of faith, you're, you're out of food. You're out of food. And, and what's interesting about this story is it reminds us that sometimes a physical issue can cause a mental issue, a mental issue. And, and for Elijah, he needed, <laughs> he didn't need more faith. He needed a snack and a snooze. And he got that. And God restored him and refreshed him to move on and to do what he had called him to do. We, we might be, when we hear that alarm, beep, 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 when we hear that alarm, that anxiety is going off, we might be in need of rest, exercise, and nutrition. We could be in need of connection. Connection and, and connection with people. Even though people cause us anxiety, people can help us with anxiety if we get the right people in our lives. Listen, this is crazy. Extended loneliness has the same impact on you physically as smoking. That, 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 that is amazing to me to think about how important it is to have friends and have the right friends. However, loneliness, where we isolate ourselves because of anxiety and frustration, depression, whatever else may be going on in our minds, it has the same impact as if we were smoking. 
Find a person or a group that you can be vulnerable with. I love what Brene Brown says. She says, vulnerability sounds like truth, feels like courage. Truth and courage aren't always comfortable, but they are never weakness. I don't know how we got this idea that being vulnerable, being open, being transparent means you're weak. I think it really means that you're super strong in the sense that you're willing to say and explain and share all the pain that you're going through and all the things that you need. To me, that's the strongest person ever. Ecclesiastes says two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person fails or one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone, listen to this, but someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Another translation says, if one person falls, pity them because they have no one to help them up. We need to connect with people. We need connection. And, and I love this. If you're going to worry, if you're going to struggle, don't do it alone. Find some people that will come around you and pray for you and love on you and talk to you and help you through the struggles that you're going through. Because sometimes, sometimes a relational issue, a disconnect, creates a mental issue. There's also the connection with God, right? Not just our connection with people, but sometimes the alarm goes off and it means we need to be connected more to God. And again, from the pen of Paul, again, may not have mental issues, but he's got, he's got mental answers. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. For some of us, we need to connect with people and connect with God. We may be in need of connection. And then finally, when that alarm goes off, it's telling us something, and it could be telling us we're in need of confession. Confession. The psalmist writes, Oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sin is put out of sight. Yes, what joy for those whose record the Lord has cleared of guilt, whose lives are lived in complete honesty. When I refuse to confess my sin, my body wasted away, and I groan all day long. Wow, you, you talk about a picture of a person struggling Day and night, your hand of discipline was heavy on me. My strength evaporated like water in the summer heat. Finally, I confessed all my sins to you, and I stopped trying to hide my guilt. I said to myself, I will confess my rebellion to the Lord, and you forgave me. All my guilt is gone. Skip down a couple verses. So rejoice in the Lord and be glad. All you who obey him, shout for joy, all you whose hearts are pure. Maybe that alarm is going off and it's creating anxiety in you because you have sin in you. Now, I, I don't believe that to have anxiety is a sin, but I do believe that having sin can create anxiety, proven here in Scripture. And sometimes a spiritual issue creates a mental issue, creates anxiety. So it's telling us sometimes, sometimes we may need confession. So maybe the question as we wrap things up, the question is, well, when, when should I start addressing anxiety? When should I start dealing with this issue in my life? And I would say right now, right now, don't, don't wait any longer. Don't wait. Maybe, maybe, maybe you can catch it when anxiety is just, is just really, really little and really, really small and really, really manageable. That's, that's the time to get it. Not, not when you've created a rut in your mind where it's big and it's scary and it's haunting you day in and day out in almost every arena of your life. Start, start now. Start now. 
I put together some resources on phillewis.org. And if you go there, phillewis.org slash feels, there's some podcasts, there's some book recommendations. There's all kinds of really good stuff that you'll be able to find as, as far as some resources. Don't have time to explain all of those or share all of those, but they are available to you. And I would encourage you to check those out. Again, at Winning at Home, we are here. We serve church experience as a partner. And we're grateful for the opportunity to be able to work with a lot of people who uh, call this church their home. And if you're here, if you're here and you're struggling, maybe with anxiety, maybe in your marriage, whatever the case may be, we, we want to be a resource for you. So feel free to reach out, contact me, and we can tell you about how all of that works. But I definitely want to make that available to you. As we go through this series, I hope you keep that in mind, that as we deal with this mental health issue, we want to offer you some mental hope. But more than that, because that's, again, not a strategy, we want to offer to you some mental help, which will bring you some mental healing. Let's pray. Father, thank you again for your goodness and your grace and your mercy. Your word tells us that in view of God's mercy, let's present our bodies as living sacrifices, and we get that. We also know that part of that process is overhauling our minds, and we do that through your word. We do that through connection with other people. We do that through confession. And I pray that as we hear the alarm go off from time to time, this anxiety issue, that we would see that really as an indicator of something, something that we need to pay attention to. And then help us to discover that, help us to deal with that, and help us to continue on with what you have called us to do. Thank you again for your goodness and your grace and your mercy. In Jesus' name, amen.